from KQED. Shakespearean snobs. Hella appropriation. Your daily dose of riddle, then. It's a pun, trust us on it. All of that and more coming up on our very first episode of The Cooler. Hey everyone, I'm Emmanuel Hapsis, editor of KQED Pop and one of the hosts of The Cooler, KQED's new podcast that tackles pop culture in a smart way. And I'm here with two of my favorite people in the world, Carly Severn. Hi. And Jamie Brown Fleischman. Hello. So after months of secretly working on this podcast, we're finally here. And my feelings can best be described by this 90s jam. Exactly. Ay, ay. Ow. Ow. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I want a CD of just that. To start things off, we're going to time travel back to the 1500s. <gasps> England, where Carly's from. The 1500s? Yes. That is where I'm from. Exactly. So she's going to take the reins on this one. Carly, what is up? I'm glad you asked. You guys are familiar with the actor Benedict Cumberbatch, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the guy that everyone has a crush on, and I still am trying to figure out why, but that's a subject for a different episode of this podcast. That's for a different podcast altogether. So he is most famously known for being Sherlock on PBS, and he was also in a Star Trek film recently that wasn't very good. But anyway, he is on stage in London playing Hamlet. So there's been a lot written about how people who have bought these tickets aren't coming for the love of the theatre or for the love of Shakespeare. They're coming to see their favourite movie star. And for some people, that is a very big problem. And actually, there was a technician who worked on the show who was semi-forced to leave his job because he started criticising people who were buying these tickets on social media, basically implying very heavily that they weren't the right kind of sort coming to see the play and it just it's I find that concept really interesting like the wrong sort of people because that's what he's saying like the wrong sort of people are going to the theatre of all places and it's almost like a how dare they thing and I think that's so interesting Mm. because aren't these places supposed to be bending over backwards to encourage people to discover those kind of art forms and that you've got someone saying don't. Does it matter if you discover, I don't know, Shakespeare because your favorite actor is in it? I don't think it matters how you find something because if it wasn't for a song by Kate Bush, maybe I wouldn't have read Wuthering Heights. If it wasn't for 10 Things I Hate About You, I probably wouldn't have sought out Taming of the Shrew, which is one of Shakespeare's lesser known plays. This whole situation reminds me of a classic scene from Clueless, my favorite movie ever, probably yours too. Cher, who is the main character, for those who don't know, and played by Alicia Silverstone, is in the car with her stepbrother and his college girlfriend. This girlfriend is wearing a beret and being pretty pretentious and talks down to Cher over Hamlet, of all things. Please, he's taken our minds at the most feckin' point. 
and restrain them before they've wandered through the garden of ideas. It's just like Hamlet said, to thine own self be true. Uh, no, uh, Hamlet didn't say that. <laughs> I think that I remember Hamlet accurately. <laughs> well, I remember Mel Gibson accurately. He didn't say that. That Polonius guy did. <laughs> oh, that scene is so good. I love it so much because it shows the root of what we're talking about here. Your intelligence and understanding of something is not related to how you came to find it. Here's this college girl, obviously priding herself in literature and being seen as an intellectual, but she ends up being full of it. Meanwhile, Cher, who is underestimated and thought of as kind of a dimwit, is actually the one who knows what she's talking about. Granted, she happens to know that because Mel Gibson played Hamlet in a movie, but that doesn't change how well-versed in Shakespeare she is, more so than this beret-wearing college girl. If an 18-year-old Cumberbatch fan finds out about Shakespeare and falls in love with something written in 1599, more power to whatever yeah. made that happen and possible. How could you ever have an issue with that? I, it genuinely baffles me how people can object to that. Well, I think it's like an ownership thing. You know, I, I just in the same way that people who are NPR fans, hey guys, got really offended when Kim Kardashian or other pop stars are featured on NPR. I think that there's a certain sort of expectation that certain art forms or certain pieces of culture belong to certain people. And I think that they get really sort of territorial about it. Mm. Um, and I think that's that's what's happening here is that there's sort of like a a, a free zone. You know, we're, we're free from from pop culture or for all those meaningless art forms or what we deem to be meaningless. We're free from that here. We're at the theater where it's highbrow and, and I know what to expect. And I'm around a certain culture of people that I, that I feel comfortable around. And then all of a sudden they're being exposed to something new. And I think that it's uncomfortable for people. The people who want this dividing line between high culture and low and want everyone out and, and they're very protective of their certain mediums, they need that to feel superior or smarter or better than. And I just always wish they would just take a minute and wonder why they feel so threatened by other people enjoying what they enjoy. Why not extend that to as many people as possible, even if they're 18-year-old girls? If only there was a podcast that wasn't afraid to examine the highbrow wow. and low culture. If, imagine. Imagine. Aren't you all lucky that we exist? <laughs> it's our po- I'm talking about our podcast, but yeah, I'm it's talking about yeah. us. Yeah. It's called The Cooler. The, the cooler. I, and yeah. I can't let this go without mentioning Beyonce as Carmen. I don't know if you guys saw that Carmen hip opera. I did. Oh, oh yeah. I have not. We have to like insert some music. Let's end on that note. <laughs> Let's hear from Beyonce as Carmen. <laughs> I see you looking at, but what you looking at? You in a bar and want to twist me like a bottle cap? Trying to holler, Mr. C, if you gon' holler back. Your game is whack, I know you will not get your quarterback. See, this is common, curves like a cul-de-sac. Skin, coffee, and cream, your donuts, you ain't talking Let's move on to a really cool article that the AV Club ran this week that starts with my one of my favorite words. Duh. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Duh. What's your pop culture facepalm moment? And by that, they mean something that you never realized about pop culture that finally in your adulthood, you're like, oh, or even as a child, just realizing something. So an example from the article is one, I think it was a woman, said <laughs> she didn't realize that Janet Jackson was Michael Jackson's sister. 
Can I hear more of these moments? I need to hear more of the other moments. My favourite one is the one where a contributor says that upon watching the Madonna video, Papa Don't Preach, the actor playing Madonna's father in that video was actually Madonna's father. So every time she saw that actor in any other film or TV show, she was like, oh, isn't that great? He's done so well for himself. She's managed to help her dad out. And isn't that lovely after they had all of that trouble? Yeah. In the Papa Don't Preach video. Papa Don't Preach. Family first, no matter what. Do you guys have moments like that where you were just like, oh my God. Oh, well, I mean, I, I don't even know if this classifies, but I just know as a kid growing up, I did know that Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson were brother and sister. But more importantly, I used to practice um, choreography for Michael Jackson's videos. And I don't know if you guys remember the Smooth Criminal video. I sure do. But there was a scene in the video in which Michael Jackson and his whole crew, like, lean. Yep. Mm. I tried so many times to get that lean right without falling down. (laughs) And I didn't realize that it was a special effect until it I became a was a special effect. <laughs> <laughs> you were like breaking your limbs. Being like, Let I me was try breaking this. limbs. I was falling. We lived in an apartment. The people downstairs were highly upset. But I was like, I am going to get this. <laughs> I'm going to get this lean. <laughs> so good. We all have those moments. What's yours, Carla? Oh, it's not really a, a moment of realization. But I, I do recall vehemently telling my friend when we were about, oh, gosh, would have been about 13 years old. Um, she played me this new uh, single from this uh, new band, as they were, called the Black Eyed Peas. I'd never heard of them outside of the context of, like, legumes. And <laughs> <laughs> I said, don't bother listening to the, these guys. They'll never amount to anything. And oh, yeah, they won't be around. I just, I just said, these guys, you won't be hearing from them in 2015. Turns out I was wrong. Sorry, Fergie. <laughs> you were really wrong. I was really wrong. That is a facepalm. Mine is, I was at a drag show. Mm-hmm. It was Stevie Nicks themed. Obviously. Obviously. And the song that goes, just like a wild wing dove. It's a song oh, just yeah. like she's singing. Ooh, ooh baby. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> All right, if this podcast thing doesn't work out, we're going on the road. Backup singers for someone. So there was a drag queen who was dressed up as Stevie Nicks holding a pole with a dove on top. And I looked over at my friend and I said, what kind of janky show is this? They, they couldn't even bother to cut off one of the wings. And my friend said, what are you talking about? And I'm like, you know, like a one-winged dove. And my friend had to let me know that it's white-winged dove, as in the color. How old Not- are you at this point? I was 28 years old. <laughs> this was last week. This was not that long ago. So I have to live with that. That's my face Paul moment. If you have a face Paul moment, tweet us at KQED Pop and share. And if it's good, we might share it on the show. If you happen to be a fan of KQED.org, which we are because they pay our bills, you probably read or heard a recent investigative piece on the word Hella and its origins. It was written by Adiza Egan, and we are lucky enough to have her in the studio with us right now. Hey, Adiza. Hello, hello. Welcome. Welcome. 
<laughs> Thank you. So for the people that don't know, what does Hella mean? So Hella is a way of, it's like an intensifier. I am hella hungry right now. I'm hella full right now. That concert last night was hella cool. Hella jealous? Hella cool. Oh yeah, hella. So you could say like, I'm just, I'm hella tired or like, I'm hella drunk right now. And so it's... <laughs> the last one is used often. <laughs> Quite often. It's been used in the Bay Area for ages. I mean, I grew up here. I grew up in San Jose. So I grew up in the suburbs. And uh, that means I was with a lot of, like, white kids in the suburbs, which is where slang really, like, takes off. And so everybody was using it. And everyone was just, you know, everyone wants to claim it. Everyone wants this word. Yep, so. Everyone's trying really? to take credit okay, now. So where? so now you've done the research. Where did it really start? So I was able to track it to Oakland in the late 70s. Hello. Shout out, Oakland. <laughs> Demeter's from Oakland, for those who don't know. Yes. <laughs> what I was trying to do was basically prove that it it was alive and well before 1987 and in the Bay Area. So I found this side project from this guy who's an editor at the OED. He has, like, this hip-hop dictionary. And so there was this 1986 two-short song. And it's a very early two-short song. Like, it's it's just... It's super like low quality and it has like a disco beat. It's like, ding, 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 ding. but yeah, so at the end of the song, he says like um, something about it being hella times, but hella's in there. And so that was okay. I found 1986 back to the Bay Area and then I just went from there. It was also important that I told the story of slang because I've had some friends who have said, you know, like, Hella, it's, you know, it's a black word. Like, it definitely came from the black community and it has been appropriated by the white community. Mm -hmm. And so it was really important that I had this, like, subtle story about how slang spreads and cultural appropriation so that, you know, you listen to the story and you're like, oh, I heard this great story. It was so much fun. But then that night, you know, when you're having some drinks with your friends. It starts to sink in. Yeah. And all of a sudden you want to talk to everybody about cultural appropriation, Mm -hmm. you know. There was a comment about how the article was Afrocentric, which I thought was really interesting. Mm. And at first I was kind of like, oh, my goodness, I didn't do my job as a journalist to make sure that this, you know, it appeals to both sides. But then I was like, wait a second. Almost everything out there is white centric. Hello, sir. (laughs) Sir. Was it a man? It was a man. Sir. (laughs) Sir. So sorry that this article was a little bit too Afrocentric for you. Everything is not about you, sir. (laughs) You ruined his day. And it's so interesting because it's quite an extensive piece and only a little bit had to do with that facet of it. And he honed in on that and then commented on it as if to negate everything you said in your reporting. But yeah, I was interested when I was reading it and it says phrases as fundamental as cool and tell it like it is. Mm Mm-hmm were adopted by white hipsters and beatniks in the early 50s before spreading to teen slang. Some people might not want to acknowledge that. And to them, I say, check yourself. (laughs) (laughs) And I appropriated that. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. And so why do you feel that there might be this... um the surprise and negativity towards someone who who might be telling a person that word that you keep using, uh, you might be surprised to know that it's actually from this part of the world or, you know, from, you know, it's originated in this way. Why do you think that some people really don't like hearing about that? Because they clearly don't. I think 
when it becomes such a beloved word, you just want to claim it as your own and you don't want to hear that you took it away from someone else, you know? It's even strong. I wouldn't even say like hella was appropriate. You know, I don't I don't want to say that because it is our word. It's the word of the people, not even mm-hmm. the Bay Area at this point. It's Northern California and then and even California, there was a slate piece about slang words in the United States. Each state had a word and Um, California's word was hella, you know, Mm -hmm. and this has just become everyone's word. So to hear that you're, you know, you're not associated with it and to have some distance from it is just it's disheartening. So um, for people who want to get in touch with you or want to follow you, how can they find you? Oh, okay. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Adiza, A-D-I-Z-A-H underscore E. And I'm very active. So, Mm. Sometimes very active. <laughs> somewhat active. Follow her somewhat active tweets. At Adiza underscore, underscore E. <laughs> Look for um, more great stuff from Adiza. Yes. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. I'm hella pumped that I was your first guest. And I'd love to come back at any time. You are hella invited to do that. <laughs> How many more times can we use hella in the next 10 seconds? Hella. Hella. I have a riddle for you guys. All right, listening. Can I just set this up by saying that Emmanuel has been crowing about this riddle (laughs) for the past two weeks about how he's going to cap off the podcast with a riddle? Oh, you did tell us. He did. You've been setting this up for a while. Okay, now I'm curious. Here it goes. I'm going to set the scene. A father and his son are driving down this country road. Mm -hmm. They're spending time together. And a Mack truck comes out of nowhere. (gasps) Hits their car. Ah! This is a mean riddle. This is a... It's not a riddle. <laughs> yeah, this is just me bumming you out. Yeah, that's, that's the end of it. Sad no. news story. So the father dies instantly. Emmanuel! R- R- I'm going somewhere with this. <laughs> I'm, not... I'm like... He's dead. on by a thread here. He's dead. I'm sorry. Pour one out. The child lives and is transported to a hospital. Oh, okay. God. They get the doctor and they're like, this boy needs help right now. You need to do surgery on him right now. And then the doctor looks at the boy and says, I can't perform surgery on this child. That's my son. How is that? Oh, you know what? Because this is like one of those more Povich moments where the father was not the father. It was like, you are not the father. The guy who died is not the father. Is that what it is? Lie detector test just came through. (laughs) (laughs) That's Demeter's guess. Do you have a guess? I can't perform surgery on him. He's my son. Oh, uh, no. Oh, hang on, hang on. Come on. This must be easy. Um, it's because um, he's not looking at the boy when he says that. He's looking at the mangled body of the way of... This no, is I've not lost, a I've pleasant lost, riddle. No, I've lost my train of bodies no. and car crashes. No. All right, I'll tell you. Okay. The doctor is his mom. <gasps> Y'all are sexist. <laughs> Y'all are sexist. That's how deep this goes. Oh, all the way to the top, right? We're all feminists here, yeah. and yet I, here we are. Yeah, I feel like I need a drink after that depressing <sighs> riddle. But okay, I will remember it. You know why? Because I was reading ten new tricks to improve your memory, <laughs> and um, one of the tricks is to picture car accidents. Looking at emotional photos after taking in information leads to greater recall. So I will never forget this riddle. Because you uh-huh. scarred me 
<laughs> with that car crash. I'm glad I could, this could be an educational moment, but aren't you just like I'm, I'm appalled shocked. with I'm, yourself? Yeah, I'm shocked. I am shocked. appalled that I am that I am clearly. I didn't even think about the the I'm mother shocked. being the doctor. As you love how I immediately went to Maury Povich. That's where my mind is. <laughs> like paternity drama. <laughs> Instead of the completely rational idea that the mom would be the doctor, my friend was like trying to spin it. She was like, don't tell me, don't tell me. I got this. So the dad's spirit came out, <laughs> inhabited the child to see him one last time. And, and it's like, okay, now we're going to like phantasms and like ghosts and stuff. It's his mom. So much more plausible than the doctor being a human woman. <sighs> Who's ever heard of such a thing? Oh, no such thing. It's yeah. appalling. Women can only be nurses. Yeah, duh. Everyone knows that. <laughs> if someone tunes in like at the wrong second, they're, they're going to think this podcast is something that it is not. Oh, Aww. my gosh. So is that how the podcast is going to end every week with a, with a thought-provoking riddle? That's the only riddle I know, so probably <laughs> not. So every episode we're going to end with a song that one of us is really feeling something... It makes us move, makes us feel good about life, makes us get out of bed. Mine this week is by a artist called Shura. She is half British. I like how you looked at me like I was supposed to go, oh, great. <laughs> I just found out she was... No, you were supposed to tell that's your cousin. You were supposed to be like, oh, I know her. Oh, I know. <laughs> Shura. Or she's supposed to say like, actually, that's me. Okay. I didn't know you knew Shura. Yeah, I sure do. So her name's Shura. She is half British, half Russian. Her Ooh. mom was a Russian actress. Actress. Mm. And she's not super popular. I just happened to find her on SoundCloud. Mm. And Such a hipster. I know. What a hipster. <laughs> and there are songs on there that really resonate with me in a kind of Robin dancing on my own type of way where it's like pop music, but there's like this edge there where it hits you. It's so relatable. It's like... So with dancing on my own, it's like, oh, I was broken up with and now I'm stalking my ex while he makes out with another girl and I'm dancing by myself and I'm sad. I can relate to that. For this one, she has a song about being too shy to approach this guy. And she's just like, I'm just too shy. And I let that opportunity pass because I'm just shy as hell. You can all relate to that. That's some Marcy stuff right there. Actually, I could say hella shy. (gasps) If you will. There's this song called White Light. Mm -hmm. I groove to it at my desk. I grooved to it on my bike ride home. I grooved to it in my bedroom, everywhere. Like I said, unabashed pop, but great pop music. Let's groove to it on the outro then. You're a perma grooving. Let's groove. This is Shura, White Light. So that's our episode for this week. We would be remiss not to thank a few special people. Their names are Susie Racho, Chloe Veltman, David Marcus, and much love to Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs for our amazing theme music. We're obsessed with it. We listen to it on loop. You should too. If you find yourself missing us between now and our next episode, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at KQDPop. And if you happen to be in the Bay Area, you should come and hang out with us at our launch party, which is on September 22nd at the chapel in the Mission District. Hopefully we'll see you there. Until next week, bye.